SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. From Sin City. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing. Corey Perry in control. Edmondson, he'll snap one off. It's blocked the rebound. They score! Yoel Armia right on the spot. And here in game two, Montreal breaks the ice. To the slot, a shot taken. They score! Tyler Toffoli staked out in the high slot. And the Canadians have a 2-0 lead. Forge out by Kakaniemi through center. Open ice. Byron's in alone. He scores! Paul Byron takes it 3-0 Montreal. How many times did we tell you yesterday that that number was stupid? No hockey team in the semifinals is pushing a $3 favorite. Montreal gets the win out of Vegas. Vegas slow starting. Montreal a completely different team when they get the lead. We'll dive into that and the NBA playoffs. Lots of news. Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. Hanging in Vegas. Chris Bavona, our producer, he's got all the goodies. How are you this fine day, Stevie? I'm doing fine, man. Uh, Again, that's why we push these apps, the in-game wagering. In, these, in these, both these series, the game tonight, if the Islanders score first, then you look at the Islanders, look at the under. If Tampa Bay scores first, you look at Tampa Bay. And then and get it right away, get the early number, and then you can hedge off of that if you need to. But uh, the first goal in both of these series, uh, it's very important. It, it, it really foretells what's coming. Well, we said in game one, Montreal made the big push early. Could have been a completely different game if they got the lead. They got the lead last night. We saw it on full display. And the reality was, it was almost like it was an outdoor game. The, the majority of the goals that were scored in the game were off faceoffs. Five on five, Montreal shutting it down. And Vegas did not get to the net the way they have on numerous occasions during the playoffs. And Montreal gets the win carry prices high, hanging at a high level. And here's the thing. Mission accomplished. Montreal heading home. Gets the split. They have home ice advantage. Now, you would think Vegas could garner a split at least out of Montreal. But if Price goes bananas, I mean, Vegas could be coming home backs against the wall. I mean, th- these things can change on a dime. Oh, it, it absolutely could happen, Brian. I, I, I think Vegas knows this. If I know this, it, they, they, you have to get off to a fast start. You, you you you've got to, and 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 you mentioned this before the show. But Vegas also has to get to the net, and they didn't get to the net last night. But but get to the net, get off to a fast start. You know that Montreal is going to come out fast, same as the Islanders tonight. Those teams want to score that first goal because they know how important it is to their game. So so Vegas knows they they just are going to have to get off to a fast start in both games up in Montreal. To that end, after what you saw last night. 
Change of venue. We're doing a big hockey watch party, game three in Vegas tomorrow night. Hey, if you're coming to town, come by Sunset Station. We're going to be there. Vegas, really? $1.70 at Montreal? Again, it's like we talk about the lack of respect for the Islanders. What about the lack of respect for the Canadians? Well, again, the bookmakers here kind of have are, are forced into that. Okay, that, those degree. are Vegas odds. I got news here. This is a global market. It's not just in Vegas. Or, or, but but also they've they've got a lot of future liability on Vegas. So so they want Montreal money. Well, that's all well and good, but and, I, and they'll get some of mine. I, I, again, I'm I you know. Vegas can score the first goal and destroy him in Game Three, but I'm gonna. I'm, at, uh, so what's that? Plus one fifty then? And it's probably going higher. That's what it is. I'm gonna have Montreal. And tonight you get the Islanders plus a dollar twenty. They get a split. They're heading home. And honestly, I think you can draw real parallels to the Islanders and the Canadians, and it's correlated tonight. Islanders get the first goal. Look out! Absolutely, I'll I'll have the Islanders tonight. Same reason. Same reason, and I and I also uh, like the unders in in these games coming. That game was a honestly, the way that game was played last night, that was like a two one game. Yeah, that was a three one game. You get you get three goals off faceoffs. Yeah, well, so not only goals off faceoffs, Brian, but once Montreal had the lead, they they would ice the puck. They don't care. They're, they're gonna they know they're gonna win the faceoff. Faceoffs are so important. They would just win faceoff after faceoff and just you know, hold the puck. Did a full hour yesterday with. Gabe Morenci and Cam Stewart on the Sports Grid Radio Network leading right up the faceoff, which was great fun. Gabe's got to be all jacked wearing his little Habs jersey there the entire hour. is good fun. Uh, but listen, we talked about Montreal plus one and a half. Said the first game should have gone over, didn't with four and a half minutes of an empty net. But now they know each other. And believe me, we've seen from Vegas. They can look great, but their offense can dry up. And five on five... They were on the periphery and not going to the net. So we'll talk about that a lot, obviously. Good show today. Adam Burke, ATS.io, is going to check in in the next segment. And we will uh, have Tony Miller from the Golden Nugget in our number two. So we'll rock and roll with you. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. It's great to be with you. And the NBA playoffs last night, we're going to dive into that. Just because a key guy gets hurt doesn't mean you don't have a shot. And Paul George steps up big. Clippers get the 119-111 win over the Jazz. And we got to talk about the Sixers' massive collapse. Incredible vomit job by the Philadelphia 76ers in front of fans in Philly. It did not go over well. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot, Chris Bavona in New York, Vegas Sportsbook Radio, Series 204, and the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. I can't tell just yet what they are, but... Oh, my God, they're talking! Oh, Johnny, can you get this? Oh, that crazy 
going around pushing each other. Oh my goodness. Oh, the humanity. One of the classic scenes from sitcom history, Les Nessman with the turkey. Turkeys don't fly. WKRP in Cincinnati and the theme, Chris Pavone's on top of everything. We had sad news to report today. Yeah, unfortunately we lost uh, Frank Bonner who played uh, Herb Tarlick, uh, the salesman at the station. Plaid pants with a striped sport coat. White shoes, (laughs) white belt. Totally 70s. I, you know, and, 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 well, we, we both did radio in yeah. the 70s when we started out, right? Yeah. I knew guys like that. Uh, me too. <laughs> so the guy, I forget the guy's name who, who put this together, but he worked at a station in Yuma, Arizona, and he said every one of those people on that show were at that station in Yuma, Arizona. You know what? One year, I thought, oh, I could do something. And I actually did. I wrote a like a screenplay, and then we got off the other thing. But I'm, and it was the same thing. Like that for the radio guy, that had to be easy. Yeah, yeah, right? that's what it was. Right. And the same thing for me. It was based at an OTB. Okay. And, and an, an off trap getting thing. And the characters that are there, they're, they're there. I mean, you don't you have to make it up. No. I mean, these are real people that are funny. <laughs> they're there. You're right. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slaps. We're glad to be with you on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Hanging in Vegas. We caught a break, man. I mean, this 115, 116 degree overcast today. Yeah. So it doesn't seem as grisly as it was. Yes. And the ice, by the way, the ice was good for the game. They deserve full marks. Okay. No, Pierre Maguire was dead. He said the ice is good. No, no. He he was ice level. He said the ice is good. Yeah. A a couple of guys went down, you know, two guys in the whole game. And Mark fell once and one Canadian. But. but. And and the puck bounced a little bit. But again, it's 115 degrees. I mean, these guys deserve full marks for getting that ice as good as it was. All right. Adam Burke joins us here on Vegas Sportsbook Radio, our friend from ATS.io. What a great time of year, Adam. I mean, we the hockey. The hoops what went down last night. We'll get into that. Baseball was rocking and rolling, and they teed off at Torrey Pines today. Had the marine layer there. Knew that was going to happen. Uh, about an hour. You're going to have an hour delay every morning, that marine layer. Not only because it's there, but because Torrey Pines, it's on the cliffs. It's higher up, so it takes longer for the marine layer to go away. But it's going to be great golf all weekend. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing well. Yeah, great time for sports, especially because, I mean, at this point in time, in a traditional year, Stanley Cup finals are probably over already. NBA finals are over already. It's just baseball, and baseball's lucky to have the distractions with everything they have going on this year. Do you believe how Philly coughed up a lung last night? I, they were up so big, and I'm, I'm watching hockey, and then, but I had the computer on, and I'm watching the score going, what? I mean, so they go in like a 16-2 run. So I'm flipping back and forth watching this, and I'm like, does Doc Rivers know what a timeout is? Yeah, I don't know, and, and this has been a thing for Doc Rivers. I mean, it's, it's kind of the reason why he's no longer the head coach for the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, they kind of got tired of it, of him kind of squandering games, squandering series that they should win, and you know, I don't know. It's such a hard dynamic to kind of figure out if it is something with Doc Rivers, if it is something with the coach, or if it's just, you know, kind of coincidental and it just happens with two different teams. I don't know. But 
Uh, not a good look for the Sixers last night at all. I'll tell you, you wake up, you know, you read the story, you see the box score, and you go, oh, wow, yeah, that uh, Trey Young, he was unbelievable. He did 39 points. He was out of the game. I mean, I, I was almost like, I guess the Hawks were an inch away from like, okay, let's get on to the next thing. Lou Williams got white hot. Lou Williams ended up with 15 points. Lou Williams ended up with 15 points on like seven straight possessions. It was insane. This kid got white hot and got them back in the game. And, and, and then Embiid, he misses foul shots at critical moments. And when you're gasping for air like that and you're the home team, the last place you want to be is in Philadelphia. I mean, because those fans were letting them have it. Yeah, I mean, deservedly so. You know, it's certainly something that was warranted here. And, you know, the, the guy who deserves really all the ire is Ben Simmons. I mean, I don't know how you're a professional basketball player and you go 4 of 14 from the free throw line. I just, I have no idea. I don't know if it's the yips or what it is, but just not a good look for him at all. Credit to Atlanta for starting to play the, you know, hack a Simmons philosophy and try to get the ball back that way. But, you know, it's just one of those things that, I think we'll probably be overblown. I think we'll probably be a little bit overrated and overvalued going into game six, where the reality is, despite the fact that the Sixers blew that big lead, I mean, for three quarters, they were pretty dominant in that game. And I know that Embiid is playing hurt. Maybe that kind of played a role down the stretch in that game. But the reality is that Philadelphia was in position to win that game. And I've got to think that they win game six, do take this series back home. Yes, it's demoralizing. Yes, it's hard to get over. But I mean, for you know, the vast majority of that game, they were pretty dominant. And that's why they had that big lead. And I would expect that they don't cough another one up in game six. By the way, Steve, it's not like it's the first time it happened. We watched the Bucks do the same thing right the other night. I'm just going to say to Adam, man, I, I can't figure these series out at all. You look, you look at Cleary's, Clippers in Utah. Utah, to me, is the better team. Uh, Kawhi Leonard goes down. And the Clippers win last night. And well, what the heck is going on here? We just talked about Philly, Atlanta. I thought Philadelphia had figured out how to at least slow Trey Young down. And they go, okay, they've got that down. They're going to win this series. And then look at last night. And then uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee. To, to me, going into the series, I'm thinking Milwaukee is a tough matchup for Brooklyn. And, and Milwaukee's able to show me that at home, but they can't show me that in Brooklyn. Well, I think the biggest thing with the Clippers and Jazz game last night, and I've kind of talked about this before on various podcasts and everything else, there's sort of a superstar subtraction theory where when you lose a star player, everybody else kind of steps up a little bit. And you got you know, a big game from Paul George when it was very much needed, but Marcus Morris with 25. Reggie Jackson finally stayed on the floor, stayed out of foul trouble, had 22. Everybody kind of stepped up. The difference being for Utah Donovan Mitchell is hurt. He's playing at less than 100%, and he's still got a very high usage rate in this series. Now, it wasn't as high in Game 5 as it's been earlier on in the series, but still, Mitchell is you know, giving you everything that he can, but it's nowhere near his best. So you got healthy guys for the Clippers that stepped up. Meanwhile, for the Jazz, you had Mitchell kind of going out there at you know, 80 85%, whatever he may be, if not less. And so the Clippers were able to overcome the Kawhi injury, whereas the Jazz have kind of been sputtering in neutral where Mitchell either goes off and has a huge game or he doesn't and it winds up hurting them. Well, what do you make of the Jazz then being two-point favorites 
in the game in L.A. tomorrow? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, it's it's certainly a very interesting line, and you do have to make an adjustment for, for Kawhi being out. The thing for me is, you know, I kind of like Utah in game six here a little bit because I think that there's a certain element of unknown with Kawhi not playing in game five, kind of figuring out, okay, who do we need to dedicate more attention to? Obviously, we'll pay more attention to Paul George, but who's the other guy that's going to hurt us? And it seemed like Utah never really made that adjustment and then certainly had problems coming out of intermission where they were down, you know, they lost the third quarter by 14 points. So now in game six, you kind of look at it and you say, all right, we have a better idea of what to expect. We're not going six for 22 and 0 for 10 from three in the third quarter again. Let's just go ahead and wipe the slate clean. We now know who it is we need to pay attention to. So I think Utah does win game six here and winds up forcing this thing back to Salt Lake City. In our next segment, we'll dive into the game tonight. Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Buck six-point favorites total on the game is 220. It's Vegas Sportsbook Radio back on Sports Grid Radio Network Sirius 204 in a moment. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In fact, isn't Milwaukee an Indian name? Actually, it's pronounced Miliwake, which is Algonquin for the good land. So which way do we go tonight? Milwaukee laying six against Brooklyn. Total in the game is 220. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. Hanging in Vegas, glad to be with you, Vegas Sportsbook Radio Series 204, Sports Grid Radio Network. Chris Bavona, our wonderful producers in New York. Our guest is Adam Burke from ATS.io. Stevie, let's you go first. You've been salivating over the Bucks. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't figure this out now. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play the under. I'm def, I, I, I like under 220. We'll see how it goes. I like. I like what Adam said about other guys step up, but the other day we said, hey, what, Harden's out, Irving's out. You what, you're telling me, this is what we said the day of the game. You're telling me Durant can't get 40, he's going to have to get 40. He got 49. Saw the same thing on full display last night. Leonard's out. Well, George has got to step up to the plate. Um, and then the foul shooting thing, Adam, that you alluded to with Simmons, that's on display in this series with Giannis. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on with Giannis here in this series. Under 42% from the free throw line, 24% from three. And, you know, the fact that Chris Middleton's shooting 32% from three doesn't really help them here either. I mean, you know, give Brooklyn credit. I mean, obviously you think about the big three and you think about all the offensive upside and ability that they have. They played pretty good defense in this series. I mean, Milwaukee hasn't shot the ball well. It's been kind of a combination of both. The idea that the Bucks are under 30% from three in this series is a major, major problem for them. I agree with Stevie. I mean, I I would look under here in, in game six. I mean, the importance of this game, you know, obviously you've got Durant coming off of the monster showing in game five. 
And we know when you get to elimination games, things tend to tighten up quite a bit. Uh, this has been played at a you know, slower pace, I think, than people kind of expected. So uh, I agree with him. I think you look for a low-scoring game tonight. And the two previous games in Milwaukee were unders. So I, so whatever it is about Milwaukee playing at home leading to unders, uh, that that's also in the wallet. But, Adam, think of the big picture in terms of who's going to win this thing now. Right, Brooklyn ravaged with injuries. The Sixers doing what they did. And Atlanta, you know, breathing with a big shot now. It's as wide open as it gets. It is, but you know what? The more I kind of look at this thing, the more I like Phoenix. I mean, I know that Chris Paul is in isolation for an indefinite period of time, you know, having tested positive allegedly for COVID-19 despite being vaccinated, or so they say. You know, we're all still trying to figure out what that whole situation is. But Chris Paul played really well against Denver and still wasn't healthy. And now the Suns just kind of get to sit, kind of chill, wait it out a little bit. I'm sure they're rooting for a Game 7 in that Jazz and Clippers series to eat a couple more days off the calendar. But with the way that Chris Paul was playing, the unselfish play of Devin Booker, I'll tell you what, man, I really think that Phoenix has a legitimate shot here. They've been the only team that hasn't really had a big setback you know, whether it's coaching or coming out of halftime or something like that. And now you give Paul a little bit of time to, you know, get healthier on the physical side with that neck, shoulder, whatever the issue was. I, I like Phoenix a lot now. I think this is, you know, obviously it's a scary thing with COVID no matter what, but it's, you know, kind of a blessing in disguise, I guess. Well, you know, I always talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs when you go on a run, that the first series is the hardest one to win. For the most part, everybody's fresh. Everybody has a sense of belief, and good teams get left on the golf course in the first round. But once you win a series, there's that sense of belief, and then teams really kind of take it to the next level. Do you think that's the thing? Yes, they were good all year long, but how big a bounce in their step did they get when Phoenix took out LeBron Davis and the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, I think it helped, especially because, you know, it was kind of a weird series for them where Paul, you know, missed the game, didn't play super well. They didn't have that veteran leader and that floor general that I think by and large a young team does need in the NBA playoffs. I, I think that, that really helps in a significant way. And the way that Paul played in the second round, you know, gives them further confidence as they go down the line here. And I also think, too, for you know, whether they play the Jazz or the Clippers in the conference finals, if Paul misses game one and game two or the first, you know, just the first game, something like that, depending on how this whole situation works out, they'll know that they're getting him back later in the series. And it bring, it comes back to that superstar subtraction theory I talked about with the Nets and, you know, Durant stepping up or, you know, some of these other teams, the Clippers without Kawhi. I think that that's a really legitimate element here in the playoffs. And look, LeBron's talked about it. Other players have talked about it. The condensed NBA season leading to a lot of fatigue. Well, you've got three series at least going six. I'm sure at least one or two will go seven. And there's Phoenix just kind of chilling. So I think it really helps them out quite a bit. I think it's a good point, Adam. Get me, uh, as you say, whoever, uh, be it the Clippers or, or Utah, they're banged up coming into the to the series against Phoenix. And all and all Phoenix has to worry about is Paul. He, he, 
he confirmed or somebody out of Phoenix confirmed that he that he has tested positive. He also has had the vaccine, so that should mean a, a shorter recovery period by the uh, NBA bylaws with this thing. So uh, I could see him maybe missing game one, but I, I think he's probably back by game two. That's, you know, that's the hope, obviously, for Phoenix. And, and like I said, I mean, they are, they are very much rooting for the Utah Jazz on Friday night. You can believe that. I'll tell you, this has been a weird week. Had a great a drill, had Garrick Higo 45 to 1 at the Palmetto Championship last week. Other than this week, I got a kick me sign on. I mean, a bad beat after bad beat. Had the over five and a half in the uh, hockey game the other night with four and a half minutes of an empty net and can't get the goal. Then I had under five and a half, but when got greedy, under four and a half, the alternate total plus a dollar eighty six in the Golden Knights game last night. And three goals off faceoffs. I mean, that game, that game was a dead under. You know, I mean, and so I got greedy. But this morning, I really do have a kick me sign, and it's apropos because it was the Euro Cup. I love the soccer tournaments. I'm going to get into Premier League and things much more. I love the World Cup, the CONCACAF Cup, Gold Cup. And I love watching this thing once you get to watch these guys. I got Ukraine and the over one and a half in the game today against North Macedonia. So Ukraine's up 2-0 in the blink of an eye, dominating the game. And they take a stupid penalty in the box. And so North Macedonia is the only way they're going to score. They get a penalty kick. The guy stops it, and the rebound comes. I mean, it comes right back to the guy, and he taps it in. And then Ukraine gets a penalty kick. And the goalie saves it. And 2-1's the final. I'm like, yeah, you can't make this up. Belgium, Denmark gave them all they could handle. Obviously, a very emotional game for Denmark after what they'd gone through. Belgium beat them 2-1 in a game uh, that's going to be get going in about a half an hour. We got the Netherlands and Austria. And these teams have put up goals in the tournament so far. Are you into the Euro Cup at all, Adam? No, soccer's pretty much off of my radar, not only with everything going on here, but, you know, in the baseball season, it's, you know, pretty much all systems go on the baseball side. And funny thing is, I was even thinking about it this past weekend that I haven't even really started a whole lot of prep work for college football or the NFL yet. And those are going to be here before we know it. So I'm going to have to start dedicating some time to that and kind of shift away from baseball to some degree. But, yeah, soccer is uh, is not one on my radar. Well, you know, we get to... I'm not saying cut corners, but you do what you do. I do what I do, Stevie and I, and we do the radio every day. And we're constantly, constantly talking about the NFL. There's that constant flow of information. And I mean this with sincerity. Like, how much work are you putting into the NFL? And I'm not saying, like, I'm cheating the game here. It's just it's in front of us all the time. And I've already got, like some opinions form. It's like you get this, not a running start, you get a sprinting start on the NFL. But when you talk about college football, the digging and the work and the information you got to go try to get, now with the transfer portals and injuries and spring practices and things of that nature. Now, college football, that's a different animal. Yeah, college football is a different animal. And, and truth be told, I spend a lot more time on college football just because... The NFL kind of is what it is. We know it. The market's very tight. The lines are very tight. You know, all of that. College football, a lot more teams, 
a lot more variance, a lot more variability between the rosters, you know, even within conferences. So college football, usually I've gotten my start around this time. And of course it's tough with, you know, as we talked about in the first segment, all this stuff that's going on, but uh, my Phil Steele magazine's on the way. So I'm looking forward to kind of digging into my power ratings over the next couple of weeks here and kind of get some thoughts with that. But the one thing that's really nice, whether it's NFL or college football, Brian, and you know this from talking to sportsbook directors and, and all of that, you know, you get the win totals and, and the futures markets so much earlier now than ever before. And you know, the last four or five years, it's just been progressively earlier that these things have been released. So you get that frame of reference. You can look at the odds out there in the market, kind of know what the mindsets are, see what's moved in a certain direction and what hasn't and all of that. And that helps you kind of formulate your opinions. So it gives you a nice head start to read the market and just sort of see what's already taken place. Love the football magazines. Our buddy Mark Lawrence from PlaybookSports.com is going to join us in the second hour. He's got the Playbook magazine, which is spectacular. I love it. Uh, it it's at the fingertips, and you can use it all year long. And I'm going to be doing a lot of cool projects with our buddy Kenny White. And he's got the Kenny White College and football power rankings magazine that we'll be talking about with Kenny in the days and weeks to come here on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. You know we're getting close when the magazines come flying out and they're on the shelves. We're coming back to Vegas in a moment. Sportsbook Radio, Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot with our guest Adam Burke. We'll talk baseball. Chris Pavone is our producer. Coming right back to Vegas, we invite you to stick around. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Back with you on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. Our guest is Adam Burke, ATS.io. Got to get to baseball. We always do that with Adam. But before we do, the U.S. Open, Torrey Pines. Can't wait to get home. Got hours and hours and hours of golf to watch. It's going to be great. Watching this early on, again, the marine layer, they had a delay. So I basically was able to catch, see about five or six holes on the course. The one thing, Adam, as we're watching this, it's a USGA setup. The rough is penal in some holes, not hideous on others, but it almost doesn't matter because they're hovering around par. Nobody's going low. It was there was you know moisture because of the marine layer, and the course was gettable for the first maybe hour and a half that these guys were on the course, and nobody. Uh, Wolf came out of the gate, had a chance to get it. The, I think maybe he did. He got it to three under. But they're hovering around par, and it's the greens and the pin placements are an incredible defense mechanism. The USGA is going to be able to name the score over the weekend. Yeah, that was one of the things that I saw breaking down, you know, kind of the first round here before it started was that 
the pin placements look really tough. And, and you know, I, I actually don't mind that. You know, I mean, it, it seems like far too often in these tournaments, whether they're majors or something else, guys are going, you know, seven, eight under on day one. And then they're just kind of able to hang around throughout the weekend. Let's go ahead and separate the men from the boys on Thursday here with some tough pin placements. Maybe give them a little bit of a reprieve on Friday. But then, of course, as we know, Saturday and Sunday will be very difficult. So kudos to the USGA for that. I mean, let's go ahead and make it tough from the start. Oh, it's tough. It's, and the fact is, these guys know the course. you know, So they've got the working knowledge of what works and what doesn't work. But th this is not the farmer's insurance tournament. This is you get in one bad spot, a double or a triple's out there and in play. And uh, the number escapes me, but for it's a, such a rarity. You know, you can't take doubles and win the tournament. You know, I mean, you take your bogey and run. That's you got to have that defense mechanism for the players and just you got to be patient when you get to a U.S. Open. And a lot of guys just don't know how to do that. Well, and that's something you and I talked about on Tuesday on my show and something I know I've referenced here on your show before is, you know, kind of the whole mental side of, of playing well in majors and of winning majors. And, you know, as you said, I think mitigation is so key. You know, get your bogey, put it in the middle of the green if you have to, take your two-putt bogey, whatever. Just don't turn it into a double or a triple. You know, having the understanding that sometimes bogey is going to be the best that you can do on a hole based on where your tee shot went or whatever else. I think some of those guys that try to make that hero second shot or hero third shot, you know, go flag hunting on a chip instead of something more responsible, you know, those are the guys that kind of run themselves out of tournaments. So I agree with you. You know, one over on a hole is a lot better than two or three over. All right, let's swing it to baseball. Adam does such great work with baseball. And I'm just taking a look at the standings and the, the things that kind of pop off the page. You know, the A's 16 games over 500. But they're not settling for that, I mean, Adam. Another Tootsie Roll they're on. Eight and two last ten, six-game winning streak. What's impressive is the Astros aren't letting them run away. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that's really helped Oakland here over the last little while is that they've played an extremely soft schedule for a long period of time here. I mean, you look back over really the last month, they played the Angels three times, who aren't very good. They played the Mariners twice. They played the Rockies on the road. Uh, the Rockies are much better in Denver than they are on the road, but you know, still not a very good team. They took three out of four from the Royals. They beat the Diamondbacks twice. So Oakland's played a very soft part of the schedule here and had great success with it. On the flip side, Houston's played of late the Dodgers and Boston, and I think they played um, you know, Toronto in there as well. So Houston's held their own with a much tougher part of the schedule here of late. So I think as Oakland gets into playing some better teams and they'll be in the Bronx this weekend against the Yankees who still can't put it together but are still a lot more talented than those other teams that I listed, I think Oakland does kind of fall back a little bit here and, and that may end up being Houston's gain so long as Alex Bregman's not out for a long period of time because he's a really important player for Houston. And teams that are, you know, maybe off the radar a little bit, but there's a chance to make money with them if you have the proper approach. Our buddy Mike Lewis from the Suncoast, Steve, you remember? He was on, what was it, maybe a week and a half ago? And, you know, he's a Tigers fan. But he was talking about them, that they found their pitching, and 
they're five and five in their last ten, but they're always a big. They're a dog, man. I mean, you got a chance to step up to the plate with a team like that if you cherry pick the right spots. I love dogs who go five and five. I love. There's money to be made in baseball. Hey, uh, Adam, I wanted to ask you about the Cardinals. Well, I, I thought Arenado going there would help them, but they apparently do not have enough pitching, right? No, real quickly about the Tigers. I mean, this is a team that started nine and twenty-four, by the way. So they started 15 games under 500, and now they're 10 games under. So they've been playing pretty well for a sustained period of time. As far as the Cardinals go, there's a lot of issues here with this team. I mean, you know, the, on the pitching side, their starting rotation is not particularly good. Now they're missing Jack Flaherty for an extended period of time. The bullpen is, is pretty average overall. But the Cardinals are a team that really has benefited from the fact that Bush Stadium just plays very big. I mean, they actually added a humidor there. For this season, it has not really had any tangible impact on offense whatsoever. They've been able to get by with a below-average offense at home because other teams don't really hit at Bush Stadium either. On the road, they've had some struggles. This is a team that you kind of look for for those home-road splits. And you know, they go down to Atlanta this weekend. And Atlanta, a team that their offense has been very inconsistent. Their pitching staff has not been very good. But I think the Braves score some runs this weekend on the Cardinals. And it'll be up to St. Louis to try and compete offensively. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. So I did bet on Atlanta tonight, looking for some regression out of John Gant. I'm looking ahead to fading Adam Wainwright on Saturday, whether I play the over or take the Braves on the money line, something like that. But the Cardinals are just a pretty flawed team that's actually lucky to be 35 and 33 when you look at their run differential and some of their other metrics. Bottom five, Cleveland up on Baltimore. And they've got a guy on third with nobody out. Your backyard, Adam, let's talk about Cleveland. They've gotten their act together of late. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that, quite frankly, and, and I watch them a lot, but I don't know how they're doing this. I, mean, I don't know how this is their best start to the season since 2007 through this point in time, through the first 65 games. They've got one starting pitcher right now in Aaron Savali because now Shane Bieber is hurt as well. Zach Plesak is still a few weeks away from coming back. The back end of the rotation was in a state of flux anyway. The bullpens really carried them. Jose Ramirez has carried them as he you know, tends to do. And they're getting you know big results from a guy like Bobby Bradley, who was hitting below 200 in AAA with a 32% strikeout rate when he got called up. They're living right right now, but also, much like I just talked about with Oakland, the Indians are in a really soft part of the schedule right now. That continues this weekend when they go to Pittsburgh. I'll be looking to fade them after they kind of get through this berry patch. It's something I successfully did twice with the Angels earlier this week because they had been playing a bunch of bad teams. You've really got to look at quality of competition and put everything in the proper context. And right now, the Indians are playing well against a bad part of the schedule. But when they start playing better teams, I think they will be exposed. Well, you mentioned Pittsburgh. 21 games below 500, 10-game losing streak. Will the Pittsburgh Pirates ever become relevant again? Oh, well, it's going to take a while. I mean, they, they don't have a great minor league system right now. The previous regime was just not particularly strong from a transactional standpoint. And, you know, now they've brought in some different guys. They've kind of revamped the front office and all of that. But... This is a long-term rebuild for them. They do not have a lot of talent in the minor leagues. They don't have a lot of talent at the major league level either. 
And something that will make things even more difficult for them this year is in looking at spin rates and in looking at some of the teams most affected by this substance crackdown, one of the teams I've noticed where pitchers have had a lot of spin rate decreases of late is the Pittsburgh Pirates. A lot of them in the bullpen, a lot of them in the starting rotation. So they've already lost 10 in a row. And I think that if baseball is serious about this crackdown, Pittsburgh probably gets even worse as the summer goes along. There is some incentive to getting, you know, a number one, number two pick in this upcoming draft. So I'm sure that they're kind of vying for that. But uh, I think what's even more telling is that Arizona is worse than Pittsburgh this year. And they've actually lost 13 in a row and haven't won a road game since April 25th. Not something you can answer quickly, but we do have a few minutes. What do you make of baseball sticky situation? Well, there's a lot. I mean, it's it's a pretty loaded question kind of across the board. A few things here that we've noticed so far. The strikeout rate is down. There are more balls in play, which should lead to more offense. Uh, there have been more home runs. So that's something that you kind of want to look at as well. You kind of want to look for certain pitchers who are going to be really affected negatively by spin rate decreases. Uh, guys that, you know, were kind of below average to average pitchers that started using something, got a lot better. Tyler Anderson is a guy for Pittsburgh, for example. Uh, Dylan Cease is another guy for Chicago who actually pitches tonight that I'm actually looking to fade from a first five standpoint. Uh, You want to try to look for things like that. And another thing that's going to be a really big side effect to this is this is already the most injury-riddled season for pitchers, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, Tyler Glass now said that going cold turkey really impacted his elbow and hurt him. There will be other guys that are negatively impacted as well. So teams will be testing out that organizational pitching depth quite extensively, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. So that's going to be, I I think, something that we're really going to have to pay attention to over the next few weeks here. I noticed that, Adam, with with the elbow injuries to to the pitchers. Is that a a result of these guys being so conscious of spin rate that that they're they're, they're trying to get that and, and they're blowing out their elbows because of it? So that's part of it, Um, you know, the increase in velocity kind of adding more strain to the arm as well. But one thing that I did see, and and I won't claim to to be an expert in the, you know, physical health portion of of the spin rate thing. One thing that I did see is that, you know, the, the ligaments in the arm get accustomed to using those grip agents. And when you take them away, it adds significant strain and stress on those ligaments. So you will wind up with a lot of guys that have been doing a certain thing for so long now have to stop baseballs are very slippery by nature they're very hard to grip when you put extra pressure on the ball it puts extra pressure and strain on those ligaments so i think that we may see you know a lot more of this i don't think that tyler glass now will be the only one we'll see shoulders we'll see elbows we'll probably see blisters come back again Uh, it's it's going to be a really significant problem for major league baseball and it's going to wind up costing pitchers a lot of money because they can't stay healthy and That'll be a big you know, sticking point, pardon the pun, with the CBA negotiations that are coming up. Tell them about the good stuff at ATS.io. Yeah, a lot of stuff over at ATS.io. Today I did the Betters Box, my MLB betting podcast, and talked some more about guys that have had spin rate decreases and all of that. Uh, and I cover golf, NASCAR, UFC, MLB, all kinds of stuff over at the ATS.io website as well. Adam, always appreciate your time. Bud and I join Adam on his podcast each and every Tuesday. Thank you, Adam. Have a great one. Enjoy the golf this weekend. We're taking a timeout. Oh, I'm looking at Stevie's notepad. Lots on the old injury front. That's coming your way next on Vegas Sportsbook Radio.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. No time to waste. Stevie, who does yeoman's work at Don Best for all the sports books with the injury news and notes. He's got a compilation today. It is a laundry list. I'll let you and Chris have at it. Yeah, it looks worse than it is, really, Brian. In the NBA, uh, for Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving with an ankle. Out tonight versus Milwaukee. Uh, For the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard with that knee sprain. I'm still alive, but I'm very badly injured. And I say sprain because they haven't found anything yet. They're still testing. Um, He's out indefinitely with the sprain. If they find that he's got an ACL tear in there, then he's going to be out 9 to 12 months. And again, he's a 30-year-old guy with a $36 million option for next year. If that, if that thing is torn, Mr. Leonard's going to lose some money. Uh, we'll move to the NHL, where for the New York Islanders, Jean-Gabriel Pajot tweaked something on Tuesday. According to Barry Trotz, Trotz said that he expects uh, Pajot to be able to go tonight for Tampa Bay tonight. Anthony Sorelli, apparently a facial injury. Do I have a mark? It really hurts. Right here. <laughs> right here. Right here. Not here so much. That right here. He got one of those scrums around the net on Tuesday. John Cooper expects Sorelli to be in tonight as well. And then for the Islanders, Semyon Varlamov with a concussion. Maybe, well, what? not a concussion, but he, he went into protocol. He left the game on Tuesday. I expect him to be available tonight. They haven't announced a starter yet. If I had to make a guess, I think it's Varlamov starting tonight. I'm no doctor, but I watched Monday Night Raw this week, and I think Charlotte Flair got a broken nose. Oh, there you go. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, That that thing looked like it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll leave a mark. Good job, Stevie. Thanks, bud. Good stuff. Adam Burke, thank you for joining us. Next hour, Tony Miller from the Golden Nugget. We're heading downtown Las Vegas. And Mark Lawrence, PlaybookSports.com, talking a little football. Hour number one's in the cookie jar. We're out at Sunset Station tomorrow, which is always great fun. But our work is not done. Keep it right here. Sirius 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network.